Hello and welcome. You're listening to Emmanuel Christian Center's podcast. Join us as we dive into our series, Pursuing Life. If you're looking for a new direction this year, this series is for you. Choosing life is a fundamental decision that has a domino effect in every area of your story. Get ready. God is on the move. Today, we have a guest speaker today with us, and Mike Bertel, the president founder of Free International. Mike, why don't you come on up here? Uh, Mike is an amazing leader. He's one of our Kingdom Builder partners. You're going to discover that he has, uh, we have a couple pages in our booklet just on Free International. We're just so honored to have you here. Uh, Mike and his organization, you're going to hear about it, are all about rescuing people who have been trafficked and then restoring their life and partnering in cities in the United States. This isn't just around the world. This is here. And what's going on in the streets of Minneapolis and St. Paul and Las Vegas and Miami and Chicago and L.A., all around. And God is using Mike in leadership and his team to change lives forever. Would you give it up for Mike Bertel as he brings the word today? Good morning. I am one of those morning Packer fans uh, today. Um, My phone, I got friends. uh, I grew up around this area, and so about 80% of my friends are Vikings fans, and about the other 20% are Bears fans. And all 100% of them were texting me last night with emojis, mocking me, um, you know, whatever. One of those days, right? Which uh, we're going to tell you a little bit about the big search here coming soon. Well, that means I can focus more on that as the Super Bowl approaches. But I, I've been looking forward to this week for a long time. Thank you, Pastor, for, for allowing me to come talk to you about Free International. You know, um, I... I am excited today, too, because I have family and friends in this room. I got family. I forget where I saw them. Back here somewhere, yeah. Friends coming and family the next service. Uh, Feels like home coming back. I presently live in Las Vegas. That's where national headquarters is for Free International. Uh, So if you ever get tired of the cold and want to come on down to Las Vegas, Give me a jingle, uh, and we could use your help too on the missions team side. We bring missions teams in all year round to come work with us in Las Vegas, uh, where we get to educate and also expose people to the need that is out there as it pertains to human trafficking. Now, my connection to human trafficking uh, originally actually goes back to January of 1995. Um, my wife and I were the Chi Alpha directors, which is part of your missions push as well, at Purdue University. And uh, as we were at Purdue University, my, my wife, who co-founded Free International with me, is a very active part of what's going on. She, and, she ran the international center there. And Purdue has a huge international student population. About um, 142 countries were represented on that campus when we were at Purdue. And And she ran the center where it was kind of the cultural hub of all that was going on on that campus among those different countries that were represented. And uh, oftentimes when the new orientations would happen, she was the one that would run those orientations as these people would come from across uh, the world to go to school. And so uh, we were setting up for one of those orientations one day, uh, January of 1995, and uh, there's going to be about a thousand international students there. And And about two hours before the event, as we were setting up, uh, in came an African student. 
Um, and I thought, oh, he must not realize what the time is of this because he's two hours early. And uh, I went over to talk to him. And uh, as I was over there talking to him, he began to tell me why he came early. He knew what time the event was. He just wanted to come early because he had been in the country for two weeks and he had yet to meet anyone. And uh, he was lonely. Uh, he started telling me a little bit about his story. He, uh, the country that he came from was, was kind of an oppressive country. And, and uh, in the past, when they would send people off to do their school, and he was gonna do grad school. He was gonna be at grad school between three and four years. And, uh, and they used to send whole families off because, you know, any education, especially in a foreign country, you know, with a language that's either your second, third, fourth language that you speak, that's some heavy lifting. And so you need a support base. And, and uh, they used to send families off. But what they were finding is every time they would send families off, uh, they wouldn't return. They'd say, thanks for the education. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay in this country now. And so, uh, so they started to separate families. So he had been married for one year. He had a two-week-old daughter when he left for school, and he wasn't going to see him for three to four years. And he was lonely, right? Um, he, he needed a friend. And, uh, I, you know, I come from a long line of ministers. My, my wife does as well, third-generation ministers. My, my grandmother was a church planter during the late 30s and through World War II, and and had planted, her and her two sisters planted 13 churches a, across this country. Um, some of which I got to preach in uh, over the last few years. It's just awesome to see how God continues to move uh, among a people, wherever that church is planted. And so I remember as I began to pick her brain, even as a young person before I even uh, decided or felt called into ministry, uh, I remember picking her brain and kind of searching for those stories. And she would always tell me, she'd go, Mike, People love to be prayed for. They love to be prayed for. It does not matter what their background is, you know, um, if they're Muslim or Hindu or if they're even atheists. When people's lives are in disarray, they like to know you care about, enough about them to bring their needs to your God. And the added benefit we all have is that our God is real and he answers prayer, right? Never in my lifetime... Have I lived in a time where um, the world so desperately needs us to be present in prayer in people's lives? Never, right? In fact, I have a, a friend of mine I just saw a couple weeks ago. He was uh, in Las Vegas with his wife, a missionary kid, and uh, he felt a call uh, over the years to work among rock climbers and different people like that because, you know, those weekends, they, they take off on the weekends and go climb rocks and do all their adventure stuff out in the mountains and they didn't have, you know, a real presence of the gospel among them and so he wanted to become a chaplain to them and as part of doing that, at least initially, he was bivocational, meaning he had to find work and he found work being the person who would set up the American Ninja Warrior set, he and his wife. You guys know American Ninja Warrior? So he starts setting up the set and he's just faithful. And, and he's good at what he does. So he moved from being uh, in charge of setting up the set to in charge of the show. And over the last couple years, the person who, who owns the company that does not only American Ninja Warrior, but all these shows gets cancer. 
and he trusts uh, our friend so much that he asks that he would take over for his job. So now he runs this whole company tied to all these different um, adventure shows like American Ninja Warrior and whatever the Dwayne The Rock Johnson's doing and all those people. And you know what he had told me as we stood in the a lobby of his hotel in, um, in Vegas was he goes, you know what I found over the last year as God has allowed me to minister more than I've ever been able to do before with everyone who's a part of our crew. He's been able to see people come to know the Lord and and healings happen and all sorts of things that God is doing through his willingness to be present in people's lives. He he says, I no longer go up to people and go, is there anything you need prayer for? He goes, I come right up to him and go, what is it you need prayer for from me right now? And he'll pray with people right in the middle of their greatest need. You know, a a verse you're gonna hear me say over and over again this morning comes out of Psalms and it says, God is our refuge and our strength very present in time of trouble. The deceit that will come our way in today's day and age, especially in the last couple years, is it's screaming at us to circle the wagons, to hide in fear. But never has there been a time the church needs to be more present in people's lives, whether that's in your school or your place of employment or just being aware of who's around us in the middle of the immediate need at that moment. We teach our team we never walk by one need to get to another. And as we're very present in our families' lives and in people's lives, God transforms lives. You get to hear a few of those stories this morning, but I'm excited to be here today, that moment that I stood in front of that African student. I remember what my grandmother had said, and so I offered if I could pray for him. Took him aside away from the actual event itself. It was a Purdue event, uh, not a a Chi Alpha event. And so uh, took him aside, prayed for him, and I was his new best friend. Biggest smile you ever see in his face. He began to trust me with his whole story. He began to tell me what he wanted to do. He didn't come from a family of privilege in his country. He was just so smart, and his country recognized it. They wanted to be able to capitalize on it, and so they sent him off to school. And when he went back to his country, he wanted to be able to make an impact uh, uh, on his country, but also his family's behalf, because he told me he had nephews and cousins that had been sold into the labor camps down there, and nieces as young as eight years old that were sold into the brothels of his country. That was when I was first made aware of what was going on in the world. It, 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 there's nothing about that moment I don't remember. In fact, if you put a sketch artist in front of me right now, I could probably sketch exactly what that room looked like. It seared that deepest spot in my brain. And my wife, Denise, and I became a big part of what we begin to dig on and focus on. This was January 95. I mean, the internet wasn't even that old and we did everything we could to dig and find information on this and what can we do and who's doing stuff about it. We moved to New York City a few years later and we were uh, tasked with planting 20 churches in New York City and yet God continued to put in our path this issue of human trafficking. And it just led us to the point where, you know, as somebody who grew up where we grew up and among the people we grew up with, we're doers. You can only cram your head full of so much knowledge before it either gets frustrating that you can't do anything about it or it becomes useless and trivia. And and the church isn't about useless and trivia, is it? Um, The church is about being present. 
You know, God chose a people, his church, out of darkness into light so that we might be light to the world. You ever wonder why when you came forward, we heard a great testimony this morning of over a thousand people, I think it was a thousand, coming to know the Lord over this uh, outreach you guys have in a couple weeks. How amazing is that? You ever wonder why God didn't just go, hey, now you got it right, you, you made the right choice, let me just throw you up into heaven now, you're with me. You ever wonder why he didn't do that? <laughs> it's because he wishes none should perish. None. And so the way he reaches this world is through his transforming of your life and where you are present, he is present also. And so as we begin to look at our role in missions as it pertains to trafficking, God led us to India. Uh, in fact, uh, this is our 18th year full-time as missionaries focused on those who are being exploited through human trafficking and sex trafficking. But you know, as we would come back from India and tell these stories of what was going on there, uh, people in churches just like this, with pastors and staff just like this church, were saying, hey, that's awesome, but what can we do? What can we put our hand to? And uh, we just got to a point where we were like, oh, maybe that's God telling us, hey, let's find ways so that the church here in the States might be very present in those who are being exploited through human trafficking's time of need. So we were trying to learn the difference between what this would look like in India, how it would look here in the United States. Ran across a man who's actually now part of our team who started what would be the Super Bowl outreach that's coming up right now. Uh, we would go into a city and we would identify a list of missing kids in that city. We would mobilize the faith community around the search for those kids, knowing some of their backgrounds and that many of them were being exploited, and uh, we would go look for them. And I remember going into Miami, getting ready for our first Super Bowl, going down there. Miami Vice gave us uh, their list of all their missing kids, all of them, that had been gone at least six months and that they believed uh, were under somebody's control. So we mobilized about 80 total people over the course of three days. About 60 of them came from one college and career group uh, out of one of the Assembly of God churches in Florida. And over the course of those three days, we were able to clear three precincts worth of missing kids off the books, and seven traffic victims were recovered over a 72-hour period of time, right? How awesome is that? Amen. We've done these over the years. We do them annually in Las Vegas now. We, has, we have found as many as 27 kids in 72 hours who have been trafficked. And people go, man, how did you find so many kids? We were looking for them. Right? You can't find what you're not looking for. And a big part of the church being present and compassionate in this world is to be present in people's lives. It's hard to be compassionate toward people where you either assume their story or you don't know their story. In fact, if, if you look at the word compassion, uh, just its own definition is compassion literally means to suffer together. Now, none of us like to suffer. and Really, the whole onus behind this is the same attitude that Christ Jesus had toward us, right? In fact, Philippians tells us that. Philippians says we are to carry the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, who did not demand or cling to his rights as God, but he humbled himself, 
became a person, person, a baby in a manger, dwelt with us. He was present. He saw our suffering and our need. So he left the glory of heaven to suffer with us so that we might have life and have life abundantly. Compassionate work in missions or as a church or in a community, compassion is always directly tied to presence. And as we begin to do missions, working with the local church, we, we fancy ourselves a, gen, a genuine missions organization, meaning we're not just some parachurch thing uh, out here that everybody feeds resources to and we go do the work. We do a lot of the work, but we also work embedded with the faith community around this country to reach the one who is being exploited until every one of those people is free. So over the years, God has really blessed that and honored our approach to using and working with the local church. Twice I've got to present to all the attorneys general of the United States of America on the work that's been going on because you know what? People aren't scared anymore of the church and people of faith. In fact, they're, they're asking us to be very present where they can't be present. And that's what we started Free International on. Free stands for this. It stands for find, restore, embrace, and empower. First thing we need to do is be able to find them, right? The Bible tells us the enemy's like a roaring lion seeking whom he can destroy and devour. But the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Seeking is so important. Seeking, being present, being aware of our surroundings, knowing what people's needs are because we're connected to those needs in a relational way. And then allowing the Holy Spirit to work through us to meet and reach that need. We've done big searches all over the country. Uh, we got our next one coming up in Las Vegas. In fact, I was talking to Pastor Nate, and we got over 40 young ladies and a couple boys that we're gonna feed you prayers in this church their faces so we can pray that we find them as the church is mobilized in Las Vegas to reach them. I'm so excited what he's about to do. God has people of faith in such incredible areas. We got five big searches lined up for this year. Uh, we're gonna be in Yuma, Arizona in March and, and uh, we're gonna be in Chicago in May. These are all things you can be a part of and come down and help us search for the missing and the exploited. Uh, we're gonna be in Orlando in this fall and we're gonna be at the World Games in Alabama uh, going into the uh, end of the summer. And so everywhere we mobilize, the church is energized to reach those who are being exploited. We're so excited about that. In fact, uh, I was just down in Yuma a couple weeks ago just to see where God has everything lined up. And, and uh, we had a meeting with a couple of the churches and come to find out in these churches we're meeting at down there, a couple of Assembly God churches. Uh, one of the churches we were meeting at down there had the head of border, um, border security basically and ran over 3,000 people all the way up to the state of Washington, and he goes, how can we be of service to your outreach here? God has people like him in place. God has uh, FBI agents that are recently retired that are joining the Free International team. We're gonna meet at lunch with them today, and God has just set them apart to be able to build bridges between the church 
and these other sectors of society so that incredible things might happen to find the exploited. It's important for us to find those who are being exploited. We do outreach all the time. We do the big searches like I told you about. That's put us in front of attorneys general. It's tied us to Major League Baseball. We help launch a thing called Strike Out Slavery with uh, Albert and Dee Dee Pujols. And uh, leading into uh, COVID, we were in Major League Baseball parks all over the country. And they wanted in every major league city in our country for us to be able to mobilize a big search so that the church could make an impact in every major and minor league ballpark city in this country. Only God can put people in the right places to do that. We need to find those who are being exploited. And as we are present, we find people of faith who we can link arm in arm with to reach those who normally we wouldn't run, run across or notice if we did. We need to find those who are being exploited. One of the things that's been a huge blessing to us over the last uh, few years is we got a partnership with another one of, of your missions here, which is uh, Speed the Light. Speed the Light has raised uh, almost $1.5 million for Free International. Uh, in that, we are getting mobile command centers that allow us even more so to be very present in time of need. In fact, that's our big project with you guys this year. We have 11 mobile command centers all over this country that provide victim services, provide us some mentoring opportunities. We do mobile medical. In fact, we're launching our mobile medical in Las Vegas this week uh, on Tuesday. I get back on Monday and on Tuesday morning, I'm doing a six hour outreach with law enforcement on one of our worst areas of the city to girls who so desperately need help down there. And many of those girls end up having marks, they're branded by their pimps, right? They have uh, all these different marks all over their faces, usually a crown or the pimp's name on it, because he wants to declare ownership of that girl to the rest of the city. But you know what? That girl's not owned by anyone. She was created in the very image of God to declare his glory to this world. Speed the Light just bought us tattoo removal equipment for our mobile medical unit so we can just start removing those, right? Love Speed the Light and what goes on there. We're gonna work with them for a long time. In fact, uh, they just approved another $100,000 project for us because we've been doing work down on the border. And so we're looking for, maybe they're in the room right now, we're looking for missionaries, bilingual missionaries that can work and compassionate outreach to those who are flooding over the border each and every day so that they might have a compassionate presence as they enter this country. And the first face they see is a representation of our God into their lives. Speed the lights doing that with us. We need to find them. We also need to see them restored. Uh, you saw the mobile unit we had in Las Vegas there. That one, uh, we're the only organization they allow to park literally right on the Las Vegas Strip. You saw it up here. Right across from the Bellagio Fountains. All night long we'll park out there and law enforcement will spend the whole night getting girls who need help and just bring them to us. We've had as many as 81 women come into that rig where we're able to offer great hope and life and resources into their situation. You know what's amazing about that too is most of them will reject that, right? At least the first time. It takes a lot of consistency, right? We're not a one-off organization. We have to be present in people's lives. When COVID hit and everything shut down, Vegas was a wasteland 
All the lights on the strip were off or dim. I've never seen anything like it. Never. The food pantry that we have access to, we have a drop-in center in Las Vegas, and right next to us is a food pantry. They give me, they give me the keys to the place so that I can provide what I need to any of the people we need to any time, day or night. Diapers, food, whatever. It's a great, great setup. So as I'm uh, going over to that drop-in center, um, my phone during that first week of shutdown just starts blowing up. I was getting four and five and six calls a day from girls that we had seen three and four times who rejected our help that had no other options. And we were able to provide immediate options and see some of them come to know the Lord and they're doing so awesome right now because we were present in their lives and consistent. And we were coming through. When we promised something, we came through with what we promised them, right? We can say whatever we wanna say. You know, remember that old Seinfeld episode where the, he couldn't get his rental car, shows up? That happens a lot right now, by the way. I'm always missing my rental cars because of COVID. They're like, but I had a reservation. I, we know you had a reservation. I know what a reservation is for. <laughs> I don't think you do. <laughs> if you knew what a reservation is for, I'd have a car right now, right? <laughs> we can promise whatever we wanna promise, but unless we're willing to do the work to see that through, we've done nothing for that person and many times done more harm in that situation than good. The church needs to be very present in people's time of trouble. Leading into one of our big searches just a few years ago, we were using the big mobile unit, pull it into one of our uh, weekly rental places in Las Vegas. We had uh, over 3,000 people lived on this one property. It was just a weekly rental place, almost 1,000 units. 2,000 of those were 18 years old and under. And in the state of Nevada, that one property had the highest violent crime rate in the whole state of Nevada. You name the nastiness, it was there. A lot of awesome people there just living in a difficult situation. So we mobilized some of our churches, some of our local community partners, and we would go in there uh, once, twice a week, and we would flip pancakes in the morning and just begin to know people, meet them, just there consistently, consistently, consistently. Big old rig comes pulling out. People would begin to flock out there, send their kids out there. We got to invest in these young kids' lives who really didn't have a dad or didn't have parents, and for weeks we did that. We didn't have an agenda other than we needed to be present. We knew the big search was coming up, but we didn't do this for the big search purposes. We did it because these people needed a presence of God and a compassion approach into their lives. So we're at the big search, and this was a rare big search where we, we were having a hard time finding kids. We've never not found kids, and we weren't doing so well. So we thought, let's go down to that property again and just love on people. So we brought sandwiches down. We had all these different uh, bearded dudes and different people running around down there. And, and as we were down there, um, uh, we would pray with people. We, we would tell our testimonies. We would hear theirs and pray with them. And we were there about two hours. Went across the street to get some coffee at a Starbucks. As we're at the Starbucks, there's almost 30 of us in this Starbucks. And we all have shirts on that say search team on. We're very overt at this time. And in walks these three girls, and the two girls on the outside see our shirts, point to the girl in the middle, and go, oh, she's missing, she needs help. We begin to get her story, she's pregnant, 
just turned 15. The dad is either her dad or her pimp, which is why she was missing, right? She didn't know where a safe place was. And so uh, we begin to help her. Not five minutes later, in walks this couple. In walks this couple from, um, from another state and they see our shirts and they start instantly weeping. We're like, oh, what's going on? A lot of us there, ministers, are like, hey, what can we do? How can we help? They'd been in town all week searching for their daughter. She was missing. They flew from where they were from to there. Didn't have a place lined up, didn't have anything. And I don't know about you guys, if my kid goes missing, I'm out the door. I'm, I'm looking, right? They're knocking on doors all week, getting threatened. Four days in town, and they had to leave the next day. Hadn't seen a thing, heard a thing. And they sat in that parking lot of Starbucks and said a prayer to God. They go, God, you gotta help us. You gotta help us. We gotta fly out of here. And, uh, and so they walk out of their car and they walk into Starbucks and there's 30 people with search team shirts on as soon as they walk into the place. We start looking for that girl. Over the course of the next six hours, nine kids were found out of one Starbucks. And, and you know... <laughs> The only reason that happened is because we were very present in people's lives. We gained trust in that neighborhood. Girls were coming up to us with their hands raised saying, hey, I heard you guys are legit. I need help. Why does that happen? Because trust is built through presence. God is our refuge and strength. Very present in time of help. I said earlier, that uh, we are to carry the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, who did not demand or cling to his rights as God. That is the attitude we are asked of, Paul gives us. But yet when we look toward the end of Paul, uh, end of Jesus' life, he sits around a table with his disciples. And in John 13, it says this. John 13 says, Jesus knew he had all authority and all power. How much is that? It's a lot, right? It's all. Which, by the way, is the very power and authority through his spirit he gives this church. All authority and power rests in this church. But it didn't end at that verse. Jesus recognized he had all authority and all power. So he grabbed a towel and he grabbed a basin and he began to wash feet. Presence requires humility. You know, in, in, in our lives, it is so important for us to recognize that God is cre recreating us in his own image so that he might be glorified. All these resources that have come our way, our whole team I'm so proud of, uh, one of the ways we are a missions organization is everyone on the free international team is self-funded. They're all missionaries. So that all the money, big projects like you guys are helping us with, all that money goes directly to the need so we can be present to reach the one who's being exploited. One of our people, and I'm gonna close with this, when he joined the team, he said, man, when I started working with you guys, I realized how important the number one was. How important each individual person is we seek for. We have this catchphrase we've been using for years. It's like, you know, it, it's until everyone is free. And we switched it to focus on the one. We're gonna keep doing this in partnership with churches like you, in neighborhoods just like this one, 
to reach the vulnerable and the exploited and the trafficked until every one is free. I'm looking forward to working with this church. I'm gonna say a prayer blessing over this church. God has big things for this city. Enemy has tried to rip it apart over the last couple years, hasn't he? But God has this church here to be present in people's time of need so that everyone might know who he is. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Emmanuel, all the campuses, everyone associated with this church. Lord, I ask that you would bless this church, you would keep them, that you would cause your face to shine upon them and give them peace as they lay their lives down in service to you. May they be present in their spouse's life, in their kids' lives, Lord, in their families' lives, in their community's lives. It is why you left us here, so that we might be your presence in this world. Bless them as they are generous with their resources to reach the exploited, to be compassionate for those that they share in their struggle with and tell all are free in your mighty name. Thanks for joining us today. If you're looking to take the next step in your faith journey, visit us at emmanuelcc.org. We're excited to continue on this journey of faith with you. We pray that you are encouraged today by Philippians 3, 13 through 14. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us.